0: Senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila
1: and
0: oh. This you week on Squats and Margaritas, it's on, actress Katie Wee. Wee. You've seen her in Two Broke Girls, Hawaii 5.0, Shrill on Hulu. I wanna talk to her about imposter syndrome? where her confidence comes from, how she handles it when she loses a role. And she has been so completely open about a lot of different journeys. She just underwent a double mastectomy. She's sharing the journey as well as freezing her eggs. So much to talk about. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. It will help me so much. And you'll get an alert every time a new episode drops. Here is my episode. With Katie Wee. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? You're just getting
2: over COVID. You know, it's funny. Like it came at such an inopportune moment because um, I got offered a job in Puerto Rico. That was like an awesome acting opportunity, like great role, great show. I didn't audition for it. I just got it offered, which is just like the dream. Yeah. And that's the only time. This is the only time I've ever had COVID. So I couldn't do it and I got replaced, got fired. I mean, they don't want to say fired because they can't technically fire you, but yeah. they. uh, So there was that. And I had to kind of get over that initial disappointment. Um, But I kind of thought about how like, if you expect things to not happen often, they don't happen often. And if you expect things to happen often, they happen often. So I'm choosing to just feel like, okay, that one didn't work out, but another one will work out when I'm better at the right time.
0: A hundred percent. You were doing a live with Teddy Mellencamp. Um, I think it was when she was in her boot and you were oh doing like a, a yoga something. And Teddy had just done my show. Mm-hmm. And when I when she went live, she saw that I joined and she was like, Squat some margaritas. And you were like. What? Like yeah. that is the greatest <laughs> <I know>. me. <May. laughs>
2: I know it is. It really is. I appreciate it because you just go straight for the best of both sides. It's like, okay, when we're working out, the best thing is squats because it makes your butt great and it's so good for your whole body. There's a lot of reasons we can talk about squats being good. And also I enjoy the the motion of a squat. I know a lot of women don't. Maybe that's just my friends, but I enjoy squats yeah. and margaritas. It's like, if we're going out, yeah, you could have a glass of wine. You could yes. like, I don't know what, but you could also have a margarita.
0: It's and that's balance. It. It's yeah. enjoying your life, having those indulgences. And for 20 years, I restricted, I'm, I was bulimic. I was anorexic. I had no self-worth. I was calculating calories all the time in pursuit of this physical ideal that I never found because essentially my body was starving. And I didn't find my physical ideal until I was almost 40, had two kids and started just calming the F down and living with balance. And it was like, I have to write a book because I found this not trying as hard and not stressing my body out as much. There are so many things I want to talk to you about. You are so beautifully authentic and you are on a couple of journeys that you share so openly. And I know it's going to help somebody that's listening. Um, I wanted to start first though, with. I struggled with self-worth and right now I struggle with imposter syndrome. Like I don't have a training degree. I don't have a nutrition degree. I don't really have any kind of credibility. So sometimes it just like kind of gets in my head. And I think like as an actress, how do you like combat that when you're going into an audition or you have a project with Kelsey Grammer and Alec Baldwin, like how do you push those thoughts aside? Do they creep in? How do you handle imposter syndrome as an actress? Yes.
2: That's such a great question. Imposter syndrome. Oh, I think everyone suffers from it. Everyone has it. It's this common shared experience and people don't want to talk about it sometimes. It's like, are you secretly feeling this one? I'm feeling this one. Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to look like you have it all together. You're so confident. I I
2: got it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think imposter syndrome with acting has changed a lot by just time. Time spent auditioning. Like I've been an actress who's like working in auditioning since 2010. So it's 12 years now. And I yeah. did some work before that, but really intensely for 12 years. I mean, yeah. you do 12 years of auditioning weekly, day after day after day, yeah. and then working on set and every set is different and adjusting. It's like, it's just slowly goes away the more I do it. And there is sort of this element of realizing that if you're doing it, you are it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: If I'm working on set with Alec Baldwin and Kelsey Grammer, and actually we already shot that pilot, like, ah! and, and it was so cool. I was having moments looking at them like, these are my heroes, 30 Rock and Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up watching those shows and wanting nothing more than to be on those shows when I was a kid. And I'm like, yes, I'm here, and this is happening. And kind of tuning into the moment of like, I'm really here. My feet are on the soundstage. Kelsey is five feet away and I'm talking to him. Yes. Like, you know, like I'm sitting at the table read and it says Kelsey Grammer, Katie Wee, Alec Baldwin. Like, <laughs> it, so at what point do I go? I don't think you're an imposter anymore. It's yes. almost like you have to use your intellect at a certain point to reason with yourself because like, I can say, oh, but you know, maybe the actor, the actor thing creeps in and maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I'm not talented enough, or maybe, you know, it's basically I'm not enough in some way, shape or form. And I think that's yes. the root of everyone's imposter syndrome, you know, but somebody's hiring me, but yeah. somebody's watching me, but somebody's listening to me and I am here doing it. So what's the definition of doing it? Like of, of being it, you know? And I think the definition of being it for me is, are you actually doing it and so like for you and not not to not to give you therapy that you didn't ask for <laughs> no but let,
0: please give me therapy okay
2: <laughs> it's like you have this podcast that tons of people listen to and you have a platform that lots of people benefit from and learn from from your experience and what it all comes back to is your experience because only you have your experience in the world and that is what gives your audience this feeling of like, oh, connectedness of like, oh, me too. I relate to her and everyone relates in a different way. And I think we're all here to share our unique gifts and whoever that resonates with that resonates with, like, if you, um, you know, like, (laughs) I think Chrissy Teigen is really funny Mm -hmm. and like, I sometimes read her things that she writes and I'm like, Oh God, I get that now. And somebody could have said the same, made fun of the same thing, a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways, but the way she does it resonates with me. Yes. So It's about putting your unique flavor out into the world and that helps your unique audience. And with acting for me, I always remind myself like, yeah, maybe I can't do like, a bunch of accents, and maybe I'm not gonna be in some like period piece where I play like a white <laughs> person. <laughs> but like, but like, you're not.
0: <laughs> Come never, on, never. Don't sorry, yourself
2: sorry. short. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but like, you know, um, but I'm the only person who can do me. You yes. can do it my way, who, yep. and comedy especially. I feel like, oh yeah, like there's no one that does it the way I do it and that's power. And that's, that's the antidote for me to imposter syndrome is like, I don't want to be the best, but you are the only one who can do you.
0: Yes. And I, I, I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly what I want my show to be. Just me being my authentic self and hoping that that resonates with someone else. But I think people come for me mostly for eating disorder recovery, like therapist will be like, this woman should not be talking about this. Um, she's not a professional. And what she's saying is not in line with how professionals see recovery. But it's like what you just said. I'm like, this is my experience and how I came out of it. And I know that it can help someone else, but it's like, not, people don't like me talking on that. Cause I'm not saying it. And I know I'm not, and I use fat phobic language. And so it's hard for me as much as I want to help women. I have to like, make sure I'm pleasing all of the professionals to say that I'm not saying, the, cause I'm not saying the right things, but I like, I don't want to be a professional. I want to be able to just be yeah. my authentic self. And hopefully that will resonate with someone else, whether I'm a, have a degree or a certificate in it or not. But I just started speaking and I spoke with Gabby Bernstein last month. And so my imposter said, I was cool. Like <laughs> She did hers. And it's like, she's Gabby Bernstein. It was phenomenal. Everybody was there to see her. So I kept going like, there's no pressure on me. Everybody's here to see Gabby. But then there were three people before me and when they would go up, it was like, I'm a life coach. I'm certified in uh, meditation, yoga and all these things." And I'm like, then the next person would go like, <laughs> like, I'm certified in nothing. And I'm thinking like, they're looking at this thing. Like, how did this girl like work herself onto this panel? But it's like what you said, I'm there. Someone hired me to do this, but it, I was just trying to not go there in my mind. Like, are people like, how are you, what are you doing here? Cause I literally just told my story. But, and my, I, I was like, don't go there in your head because you don't have any creden- credentials and you can't go and give a speech if you're doubting yourself, but it's so hard not to go there.
2: It is hard not to go there. I think something that's so important is have you ever read the book, the four agreements by Donna. No. I'm
0: writing it down it's though.
2: A really good read and really quick. Um, but there's basically like four rules that you should think about for life. And one of them is don't take things personally. And essentially it's like, there's so many people, if you want to invite all the opinions in, there is no end to how much you could absorb. And a lot of that will be negative because people are working through their own stuff, you know? And like, it feels good to judge other people or to make yourself feel self-righteous because you bring someone else down or to be like, oh, she can't do that because I'm doing that. And I, I had to do all these school things so that I could say things. It's like, yeah. did you? Because I yeah. think which <laughs> means that you can- You can start speaking when you want to start speaking. And if that helps people and if that serves people, good. Like you can rest easy at night. But I think it's important to not worry about the people that are like, where's her degree? Or, um, like, like, why
0: should I listen to her? She's not a professional.
2: Like, they're not for you. That's okay. Like not everyone is for you. And like, I think for me being my personality type, it's so tempting for me to want to like read comments, read reviews. Um, yeah. (laughs) do audience check how many likes i got like i actually just deleted instagram and i'm like gonna do it <gasps> for a while so i'm like you know i need a break from this how often am i just opening this probably wow. like at least 10 times a day and like yes. what where else could my energy be going if i didn't care so much about what people thought of me and it's like it's hard it is hard to not care about what people think of you but i have noticed even in like three days of not having instagram that I'm like shoring up my own self-worth more often because I'm checking what other people think of me less. And I'm just noticing myself more. Like, I'll be like, oh, good for you. You made exactly the right amount of coffee this morning. (laughs) Or like, oh wow, you woke up two minutes before your alarm. That's badass. And I'm like, oh, these are (laughs) small pats on the back, but I'm noticing like when I validate myself, It's a lot more powerful than other people's validation and playing that other people's validation game is so empty. Like we all know it. You all know the moment where you're like, I'm going to post this picture or this video and it is going... (laughs) kill the internet <laughs> and people are going to love it and then like nobody gives a shit because, it dies we like, <laughs> shouldn't nobody cares and you're and like refresh refresh yeah. you're like wait Where's what I thought this was really good or for me like <laughs> I'll book that dream job that I'm like oh this'll change everything and like it doesn't really change my career and you're like how I know. did that happen and I think it's just this thing of like you gotta internally validate you gotta just like give it to yourself the small wins the big wins all of it and tune out the noise because um there's too much of it with the internet like a hundred years ago or even even in the 80s or the early 90s you would have no idea what other people thought of you except for the people that you saw on your daily like schedule right and that was like what maybe maybe like 20 people in a week (laughs) yeah now it's like you could be aware of a million opinions of you a week Mm -hmm. if you really really wanted to and it's like you just I don't think any human is built for that
0: but it's like, you're putting it out there. So it's like, even if you put it out there with the intent, like this is going to kill, you're putting something out there that it's going to be judged. And like you said, unless you just get rid of Instagram, if you, as long as you're going to be putting things out, there's going to be that one person, which is the only comment that I see. (laughs) It doesn't matter if there's 90 positive. It's like somebody be like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, like, I I see that one. And I, it still bothers me. And I've only had this platform for three years. So I'm trying and coming out of like having no self-worth, no self-confidence. I married a NFL player in the prime of his career. And I just felt like anytime another girl would come walk by, I'm like, uh, probably wants to be with her. And I, I had all of this noise and now I put myself out here, (laughs) um, to social media. So it's still hard for me. Like as an actress, I think about like losing roles. Like even when you weren't like you're in your thirties now, and you've been doing this for 10 years. Like was that hard? Like, how did you, and just to go for the next one, like, how did you like muster up that kind of confidence? That would be so hard for me. Like you prepare for something. It goes to somebody else. Like, how did you work through that?
2: Yes. I deal with that all the time. And it's interesting. Like acting has made me such a stronger person. And I'm so grateful for that. Like I couldn't understand when I was younger, why I wanted to be an actress, I just like had this burning desire that like I had to do it. But often I was like, why? This is so hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) People are so mean.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And like you get your hopes up and you got to hurry up and audition and sometimes fly home from a vacation to do a screen test and then still not even get it. And it's like, that happens all the time. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything in return for no promises. And um, I think for me, what I've learned because I've noticed over the past 12 years, like so many people that I've, started acting with have quit. So many people are doing other things, have moved on, have moved out of the city, are doing like full switch of life. And I'm yeah. like, I get it because the, it's a war of attrition. <laughs> it is, it mm-hmm. is, but the staying power for me lies in my ability to recover faster. And I have learned like, sometimes I want to dip. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, this is going to send me into a hole. Like, you know, I, I recently had a project that was a dream job, um, that was a perfect role for me. She was like, kind of this like spiritual, but like pretentious person, kind of like Rose <laughs> Byrne and bridesmaids, but like spiritual, like, yes. oh, <laughs> oh, totally. Like just, it was great. I play this kind of role often and I, I like it. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a lot of money. It would have been the kind of thing that would have like really launched my career in a big way. And I, you know, got to be um, down to three people and then down to two people. Oh God. Me, And then the studio wouldn't approve me because I wasn't famous enough. They somebody <gasps> more famous. So they asked the producers to go look for somebody more famous. So the producers did do that. And then they still, producers liked me the best. And oh, we're like, really want to like try for her. And they were like, okay, well let's, let's audition her again, audition again. And they decide to audition me against one other person who was a good friend of the lead of the show. And then they ended up giving it to the lead of the show. No. I was going through my egg freezing process at this time. So it's yeah. really hormonal. So it hit me really hard because I was sort of wrapped up in this process for like over a month and had my hopes way up. And it just felt sort of like perfect. I felt like it was really going to happen. And I think what I've learned is that you have to feel the feelings. You have to let yourself be sad when you're sad. Cause if you try to bypass, it comes for you <laughs> later. <laughs> and then you're like out with your girlfriends and you're like, whatever, I'm good.
1: <laughs> I'm really good at
0: acting. <laughs> so,
2: like,
0: it comes I, out. Yeah.
2: So you have to let yourself feel the feelings. I tried to bypass, didn't work. So you, I got to have like a day or two to feel like shit. And then I have to aggressively pull myself up. And out because if you stay there you blow the next one the next audition yeah. and the next audition and when you stay in this place of like negative energy you attract more of it so then you're like my life is so unfair and then you <laughs> go to your car and you have a flat tire and you're like okay. see and just then like you-
0: I've said uh, my life yeah. sucks
2: <laughs> right and then you're like um nothing works out for me and then you like get your smoothie from the smoothie place and they made it wrong and you're, you're like, right just like I thought. So you attract more of that. So it really just, if your goal, if your end goal is success, you have to align yourself with that mentality as soon as it's possible. So let yourself feel and then get back on track. And sometimes you can't like go for the big highest um, value thought. Like I can't go for like, you know what? They just like, let me go. But I'm going to be really successful right. really soon. Maybe I can't say that to myself authentically because I'm not there yet. But maybe I can say to myself, things are always working out for me. Yeah. I don't know why this isn't for me, but things are always working out for me. And Love then that. you attract that, you know, yeah. the magical parking spot at the mall is just right there. Yes.
0: You may not say it. I'm going to say it for you. First of all, you know, you got that role. So you have that. It's like, like they fought for you against a, a more known actor. You know, you had that role. And then secondly, I truly believe that something else that is for you will come. And it, you wouldn't have been able to do it because you were going to do this other thing. So the reason you didn't book that is because the, the other thing is coming. And I'm not going to say it's the biggest role of your career, but there is something for you that you wouldn't have been able to do had you got what you thought you wanted. I agree completely. I'm going to Gabby Bernstein you. <laughs>
2: no, I agree completely. It's
0: yeah. like, sometimes we don't get to see the full
2: picture. You know, yeah. it's like, I saw this quote on Instagram. This is actually part of what I miss about Instagram is like the <laughs> memes funny. and the quotes and stuff.
0: Uh-huh. But,
2: um, it said, God removes things from your life because of conversations you didn't hear.
0: Goosebumps. You
2: don't really know why things work out the way they do. I I am a Virgo. I am a planner. I'm pretty type A. I started my adulthood with like, I am going to do this and then this and then this, and this will happen and then this will happen. <laughs> Nothing happened the way I expected. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Oh my God. It's turned out so differently. And so if I don't hear the universe by now trying to tell me, hey, yeah. it's not up to you, buddy, calm yeah. down. Have yeah. you gotten it yet? Because we've been like hitting you with a bunch of lessons. <laughs> that keep showing you that it's not totally up to you. Like we're, we're doing this together and you need to allow me, the universe to like move through your life. Stop trying yes. to control everything.
0: I'm just getting there at 40. Like I just started opening myself. I start to run now without AirPods and I'm like, I just try to be in nature and be present. And like, I'm actually sober curious, which I know is going to wreck my brand but gabby bernstein said and i quote fuck your brand (laughs) this is more authentic and i was like okay anyway and just drinking less like i just feel i feel more like not just in tune with nature like i feel more in touch with my kids like my son will just be like mommy i love you and i'm like because it's here i'm present and playing with him and he sees that and i just feel like things are kind of aligning because i become more in tune with the universe i was not that way at all i was almost like "Eh." If you're skeptical about it, it's like you don't receive things. You have to be looking for it. Like you said, if you're looking for negative things, it's like, oh, she made my smoothie wrong. But if you're looking for things to happen, that's what you attract. Completely. You vaguely touched on freezing your eggs. Yeah. (laughs) What prompted that decision and what was the process like for anybody listening that is considering?
2: So um, I'm BRCA2 positive. I have a genetic mutation that predisposes me to like a 70 to 80% chance of breast cancer in my lifetime, depending on which statistic you look at. And like a 37% chance of ovarian cancer in my lifetime. And Whoa. normal breast cancer risk for m- most women is 12%. So 12 to 70 is a huge jump. Um, and uh, it freaked me out. I found out when I was 30, 30.
0: Did and- you go for a um, mammogram? Like, was it proactive that you, how'd you find out?
2: I found out because my grandmother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at like 86. And, oh. um, it wasn't normal, but for whatever reason they did a genetic screening on her and found out that she had this, um, BRCA2 mutation. Mm. And, um, so then, uh, you know, I got tested and found yeah. out that I also had it and it, it completely changed my life. I was sort of just trucking along, like doing the normal things, you know, was, um, auditioning a lot. I was teaching yoga, I was going to bachelorette parties and weddings and just like life was pretty normal. And I was like, Oh, yeah. well made me face my own mortality really quickly. Cause you know, the first thing doctors tell you is once you find out you have this, they're like, Oh, well let's check and make sure you don't have breast cancer. And you're like, wait, what? Like yeah. they're like, a lot of people that have BRCA2, you know, get breast cancer on the earlier side. And so I went immediately for a mammogram and an MRI and an ultrasound. And through every step of the way, it was just like eyes, you know, like deer in a headlights, just like, I have breast cancer. This is crazy. Um, I didn't have breast cancer and I was really grateful. And they said, okay, your options are to screen every six months for breast cancer for the rest of your life to take or take chemo prevention drugs um, or to have a double mastectomy and breast reconstruction. If you choose to have the breast reconstruction so that you take out all of your natural breast tissue so that there's no place you can get cancer. Yeah. Right. And, um, it was interesting because sometimes I can be indecisive, but in that moment I was just not, I was like, Oh, I have, I'm going to do that Mm -hmm. because, um, I know myself pretty well and I can obsess over things and (laughs) when I obsess over things, I then bring them to me. Like they come, and I'm like, I was obsessing over this worst case scenario, and then look at it; it's right here (laughs) because the universe. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and that language is yes. Like, so you think about it all the time. You send out that signal; it doesn't know that you don't want it. It just hears you saying cancer, 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 and you're like, so. I was like, yeah, I can't trust myself with that. I have this like powerful manifesting mind sometimes in the wrong direction. And I can't, no, can't do that. And, you know, there's downsides to having a breast, uh, a double mastectomy is you can't breastfeed. Um, that's really the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Also, you, um, you get cold because your natural fat of your breasts keeps you warm and your breasts are over your heart. And, um, <laughs> is this why
0: I'm know. always cold. <laughs> <laughs>
2: working now out. i know why i'm always cool <laughs> damn it the first time i went skiing i was like oh oh my god oh boy. like <laughs> this is intense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh yeah there's there's downsides for sure but for me i was like it's the trade-off is worth it and that's yes. totally different for every woman but for me i knew i wanted to do that so um I met a bunch of different doctors. I ended up doing a double mastectomy and breast reconstruction on a TV show. I let a film crew um, like cover the whole thing, pre-op um, wow. appointments, during the surgery, post-op appointments. And um, that was gnarly to watch. I,
0: went I didn't see, of- I didn't know that was a show that's out. How do I yeah, find that? Um, Dr. 90210.
2: Oh, I'm- you did Dr. 90210. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I'm the second episode. And I'm really glad I did it because even though it pushed me out of my comfort zone, like in terms of being, you know, revealing about the inside of my body. Yes, right. It. Lots of women now message me um, and talk to me about like, oh my god, I feel so seen because I saw your show, yeah. and kind of similar to you, like in this. In this world of talking about breast reconstructions and double mastectomies, there were a lot of doctors that were like, hey, Katie, this isn't about the aesthetic outcome. This is about saving your life. So stop asking us so many questions about, you know, how they're going to look and I was like, are you kidding? Like, I'm an actress. Like, of yeah. course, I how they're going to look. Also, even if I wasn't an actress- you're Don't shame there. you but for that, look right. It looks like. Like, you know, and there were certain doctors that were like, we can probably keep your nipples, but it's not guaranteed. I'm like, so you're telling me I might wake up with nipples or I might not? And they're like, but really, you're going to be much safer in the long. I'm like, yeah, but like also my nipples. Like, yeah, but back to my nipples. nipples like, there's nothing there? wrong with wanting to know this stuff. And like, there are cases where women- more often where women who already have cancer are not able to keep their nipples. And what do, do they
0: do? Like, do they tattoo. make one?
2: I have tap- to tattoo um, nipples over now, and that oh. look really good. Actually, there's so many people that I've seen who have, like, really good-looking nipples. Um, and there's, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate reality of the thing, of the whole surgery. But for me, I basically felt like there was kind of a lot of shame about, like, caring about what I looked like. And I was like, mm, that's wrong. So when I found no. a doctor who didn't shame me for that, was willing to collaborate with me and be like, well, let's do this, let's do this. And like size-wise, I think this is a good idea. This is what I'm thinking for you. And I was like, here's the one. And she, I just got her immediately too. Her name's Dr. Yeah. Kelly Colleen and she was incredible. She's on the show. And um, I also felt like in talking about it on social media that I wasn't gonna shy away from my truth. And because that's all I have is mm-hmm. my truth and everything and everyone's is different. And that's what makes us all so special. We're all like a giant bouquet of flowers. And so, yeah, I'm not speaking for like the double mastectomy association of America. And I'm not speaking for, yeah. um, you know, all the doctors and professionals and other women who have been through this. And I'm not speaking for breast cancer survivors. I would not dare, but what I am speaking for is myself who yeah. I am for myself and I try to talk about that on social media a lot. Like, hey, I cared about what I looked like. And these are some things my doctor and I talked about. And a lot of women have resonated with that. They're like, oh my God, thank you. I felt like I didn't say that I cared about what I looked like because people keep being like, this is about saving your life. Yes, it is, But it's also 2022 and you can have both. Yes. You can save your life and you can also look the way you want to look. This can happen. And not be
0: shamed to care about what you look like.
2: Yeah. And then- my audience has found me like all these women who are going through this same thing who are terrified and trying to figure it out in between bachelorette parties and baby showers and, and life. They're like, Oh, thank you for being a normal person talking about this and not Mm -hmm. making me feel bad for my priorities. And, um, I certainly do feel that like there's probably people in the space that don't like the way that I talk about this, but I also don't care because (laughs) if I'm helping other people, That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to please everyone. I'm here to help whoever I can help by being who I am.
0: Can anybody go and get tested for it? Or do you have to have like a reason? I just think about like insurance and stuff now. What if someone is listening to this and is like, I wonder if I have it. Can you just go get checked?
2: Yes, you can. um, There are companies, um, there's one company called Invitae that does genetic testing um, and you spit in a tube and you send it off and three weeks later, it comes back and tells you if you have it. And it's like a hundred bucks. And I went to a place called Bedford Breast Center in LA. I'm sure there's similar type places, um, in different, uh, cities. I went on Yelp and I put in BRCA test and that's mm-hmm. what came up. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go out there. I took the test. It came back. I had it. Um, it's advisable to take the test. If you have a strong family history of breast cancer, um, it's unlikely. It's like, I'm half Chinese, half Irish, and it's found most often in Ashkenazi Jewish populations. Um, it's not often found in Asian populations. So that was kind of surprising to me. I'm really grateful that I tested because no doctor would have recommended it to me because I didn't have a strong family history of breast cancer. Um, and I wasn't, you know, um, I, I had no reason to, to think about it. If my you know, grandmother hadn't found out that she had the gene. So, um, you know, put BRCA test into Yelp. You can go somewhere, you can take the test. It's very easy. Um, I think there's even ones that will send it to your home, um, wow. which is great. And, um, yeah,
0: you were making me think something too. my grandma got, she passed away, but she got, they don't even, she had a hysterectomy. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't ovarian cancer. No, wait, they left her ovaries. They took out her uterus, they left her ovaries. So she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer, but like like you said, like 84. But I don't know if they did a test to see, because yours, it wasn't breast cancer that your grandma got diagnosed with. They just test. I wonder if she did that.
2: Most people don't. Like it's not a common um, test to do, especially years ago. It wasn't even common for my grandmother to have that test done for her at her age. Okay with her diagnosis. Um, it's, and also 23andMe will include BRCA in the panel. Whoa. Um, but they only like, um, include certain strains of BRCA the most. So it's possible to get a false negative with, okay. because, um, it's not as comprehensive as like a genetic test.
0: Okay. Um,
2: and there's genetic testing, you know, counselors. Um, if you put that into Yelp too, that's like my, God, I'm plugging Yelp. It's like how I find everything <laughs> but, um, that can talk to you about different risks and stuff. And I'm so grateful I found out because like, I could have easily been someone who had like gnarly cancer at a young age out of nowhere and had yeah. no idea, which was sort of one of my like deepest anxieties <laughs> like <Wow. laughs> when I was younger, which is interesting that sometimes like it's all, it's all connected. Like I, I, I always, once I found out what cancer was when I was like, I don't know, probably 12, I was like, Oh do I have it? <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> this thing comes up and I'm
0: like, oh, I know. See? <laughs> I have to do the thing that gives me no anxiety. Because I Isn't it something on like the maternal grandmother? Like, I feel like my doctors always ask, is it on the maternal grandmother side? Like, is it your maternal grandmother? Is it on your mom's side? I'm like, is that a thing that it's, you're more likely if it was on your maternal side or maybe oh, I'm sure. just putting that together. Okay. Uh,
2: that, that wouldn't surprise me, but I don't know.
0: Okay. And then, so that led the risk of ovarian cancer is what led to you freezing your eggs?
2: Yes. So, um, and the desire to not pass Broca along. So oh. having it as a woman, I'm like, oh, now my parents didn't know that you know one of them had it. And uh, I don't know if it would have changed the way that they had children if they did. But for me, I was like, this sucks. It put me into like a deep depression at a, a, in the beginning because I was just like, very much like, why me? Yeah. Um, I have all this stuff I'm trying to grind on, I'm trying to do. I have goals, I'm trying to live my life. Oh, this is so burdensome and expensive and like difficult. And I have to lose my boobs. I'm like the girl, I was like a little kid in middle school, like, please give me boobs.
0: Come on. Oh. <laughs> Same. I'm still waiting for mine to come in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, I just like really, and I was like, this, it, it bothered me. I was upset.
0: Yeah.
2: And, um, and it just has, you know, made me look at my life in a different way because like, you know, even with this risk of ovarian cancer being higher, it makes me live all the time. Like, hey, let's live for now. Let's not assume we have like 80 yes. years. Let's, let's, let's live for now. Let's make it happen now. Let's be mm-hmm. happy now, um, which I'm grateful for, but it's been a big mental, emotional burden and thing to work through. And I just, for me, could not pass that along to a future daughter, um, without some, I think guilt. And that's, you know, I don't want to project that onto anybody else. That's just me. Um, everyone feels differently because also having been through this egg freezing process, like it changes my views a little bit too. Cause I'm like, you know, basically for doctors will tell you that if you are like a normal woman for every 10 eggs you get, you will have one healthy embryo. Those are the the statistics. And sometimes it turns out better than that. Sometimes it turns out not as well as that. But with with Braca, it's every 20 eggs equals one healthy embryo when you're freezing your eggs. And I was like, oh God, like that's a really (laughs) horrifying statistic, you know? Like um, when you have your period every month, you release one egg. So getting shot full of hormones and growing all these follicles inside your body, Mm -hmm. I got so hormonal so uncomfortable in my body. The process was like I, for the first couple, it was like, okay, we're cool. And then like halfway through, I was like, oh, this is gnarly. And then mm. towards the end, I was like, I can't do this anymore. What like, is, how that? long is the process? Like, is it months? I think I was getting um, injected for like ten to twelve days, and then there's the retrieval. So you, my head went mm. like, I can do anything for ten to twelve days. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, but it got really gnarly because your hormones dictate. The inner environment of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, you know, like I can feel really fine and be in like a tight seat on a plane with a like, you know, person blowing their nose next to me and loud noise over there. And I can be like, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm fine, mm-hmm. I'm in my face, I'm good. But when that inner space gets messed with chemically, I was just like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I start to feel really like, angry frustrated sad helpless like it was really really challenging one of the hardest things I've done and um it was really like only that gnarly in then maybe the last two or three days and that's also because I was going through this casting process in those same times so that was kind of compounding the issue and then I did the retrieval where they take them all out and I was like okay things are gonna get better now whoo thank god but what nobody told me about that I'm so glad I have a chance to talk about publicly is that, um, a week after I went like, Oh, oh, I went through like this, like huge emotional dip like a crash. And I was like upset, really, really upset about a couple of things in my life that I had sort of latched onto. And I was in a really dark place. It was, I was very depressed. I was really struggling and, um, my doctor was like, oh, well, I think that that's because your hormones kind of crash. We put a lot in you and then they're working their way out and you mm-hmm. go to, she's like, so maybe try going on birth control because it will give you a little bit of estrogen in your system, which will make things better. So I did then, but the damage had already been done. It already gone through this huge, difficult emotional episode that put me in a really difficult place. And um, I, I hope people listening know that if you're not on birth control, like maybe start it as soon as possible after mm-hmm. the cycle so that you can get that estrogen going again. Um, if doctors are listening, like maybe tell your patients that this <laughs> might happen because like, otherwise they're gonna be like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so sad? Yeah. Um, wow. And I think that that hormonal crash, you know, everything happens for a reason. It, it, it put me on a different path. It helped me sort of like make some choices in my life that were, I think, good. Definitely were good. But also um, I think like go messing with your body's own natural hormonal system is a big deal and you have to go into it with as much um, care around you as possible. Like my mom stayed with me, which I was really grateful for. I was glad I had somebody here and um, I would in the future like after start replenishing my estrogen right away and also start doing really, really top-notch self-care. For the week after like go get a massage um everything that's good for you whatever your things are taking walks going to yoga seeing friends like do those things because if you don't aggressively self-care yourself in the mm-hmm. week or two afterwards um i think that there's a potential for a really difficult time um, wow. so that was that was my experience with it and you know i'm probably gonna do it again which is hard to say out loud, Uh, just because of those odds, you know, 20 eggs to one embryo. Can I I
0: ask how many eggs you got or is that?
2: No, it's fine. (laughs) I got 13.
0: Ooh.
2: uh, Number 13. And so like my doctor was like, you know, for your age, this is great. Um, But like for Broca with my stats.
0: Yeah. it's It's not 20
2: not 20. And like, that's life. You know what I mean? Is like, everything can be looked at from different perspectives. And she's like, it could be that you have like four healthy embryos in there. You don't know. Yes,
0: Exactly. And
2: that's always possible.
0: And you Uh, won't know till you have a partner. Yes.
2: Until you like make embryos and by that time you're older, so you have less eggs. So like for me, I'm probably going to do it one more time. And the reason that um, doing IVF can help you not pass along BRCA is that if you do IVF, you can also do genetic testing and, um, you work with a genetic genetic counselor and then they can make a specific probe to test for like your, your specific embryos for BRCA or for whatever you're trying to test for, not whatever, but but conditions. I didn't know that. so that makes it possible for me to only um, use embryos that don't have BRCA and then eliminate it from my bloodline going forward, which would be really cool. But yeah. that's all assuming I can even get enough eggs to have enough embryos you will. to have than one child. So it's all kind of like you leave it up to the universe and you do your part, right? There's you, this-
0: you have done your part on so many levels. <laughs> and the fact that like, like your grandkids, grandkids are going to like not have to worry about that because of something you did. Like you removed it from your bloodline. That's amazing. Thanks. Is there a man, woman, anybody? <laughs> I don't want to assume in the picture. No, no, so no. right now. Yeah, this is something you're gonna have to explain. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's definitely it's interesting. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I get why people um, say like the older you get, the more set in your ways you are, because like the more you know yourself, the more you're like oh, these are all the things I'm going to need. And like, I'm like, oh, add this to the list. Oh, by the way, if we're going to be together, we're going to have bionic children. We're going to do it <laughs> like this way. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Don't worry. But I'm like, yeah, okay. Add it to the list. <laughs> and what
0: date do you tell them about that on?
2: <laughs> I yeah. I think about this actually. Okay. I think you don't owe it to anyone to tell them anything, unless you even know if you want to like I used to date like, oh, by the way, I have this genetic condition. And oh, by the way, my family is like this. Sometimes it's like, mm,
0: you're never going to end up I'm with I'm interviewing
2: you, buddy. <laughs> like, I'll tell you when you need to know.
0: <laughs> That's so true. It's like, why wait, Why waste the time? Like, I'm probably yeah. not going to marry. Isn't it? You're not going to be the one. So okay, yeah. Well, I'll
2: tell you if like, it's like a spy thing when you need to know.
0: I don't think I've ever had this much great, like, medical information on an episode. Thank you for being so authentic. Obviously uh, squats and margaritas is about finding that balance. Have you found the balance or how are you working towards the balance?
2: It's a good question.
0: I have not found the balance. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. Yeah. I hear a lot of women that have kids say that.
0: Well, you have taken care of yourself versus like putting everything into like a role or something. Like how do you make yeah. sure that it's balanced and you're not completely yeah throwing think, it into work?
2: I think that I used to be pretty imbalanced. and like, really putting everything in the acting column. Like I would miss important family trips because I had an audition. And I would um, like, yeah, I I would put eight hours of work into an audition that I knew I had no chance of getting but because that I should have just passed on. Cause like, it's, it's actually better to pass on work that you, you can't do well at, you know, like if I get an audition for a role that I'm like, I can't, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. Like, just Mm -hmm. don't do it. Don't put energy into things you don't care about. Like, um, so when I think that, um, this is another quote I found on Instagram from Jet Lee. he said something like, you're killing yourself for a job that would replace you in a day if you died. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, gently,
0: Ouch. Gently,
2: Ouch. <laughs> wisdom, like, thank you. yeah, it's true. And it's really true. And like, you know, um, that's the business I signed up for. Like, I know that I accept that I'm not yeah. bitter. I, those are the rules. You want to play this game. Those are the rules. Um, and that just happened to me. I, I don't, didn't die. I have COVID and I got replaced in a day. Like that happens, you know? And, um, It made me realize also like having finding out I had Braca and kind of like facing my own mortality that it's like, do you want the last, like, if this was the last week you were alive, would you be like, I crushed these auditions and I booked that job? (laughs) Ultimately, does it matter? Like balance for me is found in like happiness. I, I know I found it when I'm happy. And sometimes balance means like you're 70, 30 this week and then you're 70, 30 the other way the next week. It's not like every day is balanced, but like over time, (laughs) are you finding balance? Like, you know, in a month, in a year, are you feeling like you're happy? And, um, I think I didn't consider my own happiness that much until it was imperative. Like some of these things I've been through have get like really pushed me into depression, which was never my baseline state and never my experience. But some of these things, I'm just like, oh, whoa, like this feeling is gnarly. And I think once you've been there, you're like, happiness is super important. Like it's not, um, a privilege. It's not, um, like for rich people, it's not like, like, uh, something you stumble upon or that happens by accident. You actually have to fight for it. You have to go carve out your own happiness and you have to work for it. And you have to like, like, I just went to Italy for two weeks. Um, and that came after my like really big bummer spell from the, the egg freezing. I was like, nothing sounds good except going to Italy. <laughs> like I'm going to go to Italy. And like, thank God, because when I was there, like, oh yeah, Katie, the, the world is here. There's so much good stuff out here. Like life is good. Oh, cappuccinos at a cafe, like yes. on, you know, Ponte Vecchio looking over Florence. Like this is great. Like life is out there and you don't have to wait for a special occasion to take a vacation. And you don't have to wait for like somebody else to take you out to dinner to like go to a nice dinner. Like you can do all these things that make you happy now. And you should, because you're in charge of your own happiness. And I think that, um, I know I'm out of balance when I'm not happy, when I'm like, Oh, this audition, I don't want to work on this right now. This I'm like, and I'm like, well, maybe this is your fourth audition this week. And maybe that's not balanced because do you actually care about this project? If you got this job, would you be happy to do it? And if the answer is no, like tell your agent, you're not doing this audition. And like, if you're like oh, this stupid trip, it's like, do you want to go on this girl's trip? Like maybe if you're being real with yourself, you don't want to go on this girl's trip. Just <laughs> be like, oh, sorry guys, I'm not going to go. And they're like, cool. Like, it's fine. So yeah. I think that like, for me, balance uh, hit me again. Like the universe showing me always by like extremes mm-hmm. because I've, I've had to deal with like, um, I've had to deal with not being happy and feeling how much that sucks makes me want to, um, take charge of being happy and happiness and balance for me are like hand in hand. They're kind of one in the same.
0: That is awesome. That is a beautiful quote. I want to share too, when you were saying about those auditions and sometimes it doesn't seem like exactly what you want to do, but it's an audition. Um, it's the episode I put out, uh, Jesse Jean, she's a, a food freedom coach. She talks to people about like binge eating recovery. And she was saying, i just realized recently in my life, like when I am fully present in the moment, just like sitting around a campfire with my family or something. She's like, those moments that you can't buy, that's, those are my like, hell yeah moments. And she's like, I would be saying yes to things that were kind of like, that sounds fun or that it sounds exciting, but it wasn't a full body, hell yes. And I, I'm missing out opportunities that are full body, hell yes. By saying yes to the, uh eh, should be fun or exciting. And it's kind of like what you're saying, you know, if it's not a full body, hell yes. It's like, why am I learning these lines? And I'm not, I don't even want to do this or.
2: yes. Yeah, the hell yes is like if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell yeah. no. My best friend always says that, and I'm like, ah. okay, yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, this kind of yes could be made into a better yes, and it's like, ah,
0: Katie. Yeah, if cool. you're having to talk yourself through it, maybe it's yeah. not a hell yes. Yeah, if you to talk yourself into it. Maybe you're like not into it. And like, yeah, it's like if it's anything else. other than hell yes, like right when you say it, if you're like, well, yep, not a hell yes, right, keeping you from a hell yes that you could be doing,
2: right. Right. Yes. And then the things you have to do, like, I have to go to Wells Fargo today to do like an appointment to open a new account for my business. I'm just like, like
1: that's
2: <laughs> obviously not a hell yes, but like these <laughs> things lead to like feeling good and feeling happy because it's not like every time I think about it, I go, ah, I still have to do that. It's like taking care of myself. Taking care of yourself is also like a slower hell yes, but it's, yeah. it's important too. you know, exactly. so, decisions that set you up for success and one one way, shape, or form for me, add balance.
0: I love it. What is coming up for you? Egg oh, retrieval. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Are> there... <laughs> bad boy again. <laughs> Do you have any um, uh, any projects coming out? I'm writing something right
1: now. You are.
2: Yeah, I can't like talk about it yet too much, but okay. uh, I will post about it when it comes up. Um, it's a really personal, personal thing for me that you know is hard to share but I'm a big Brene Brown fan and yeah. you know, Brene is like vulnerability is strength. And I agree with that. I, that's why I am vulnerable and I show up mm-hmm. as often as I can um, because that's, that's the place where we can really connect. That's the human place behind the like facades. Um, but it's, it's something that has been important for me. It That is important for me to share at this point in my life. And um, I'm scared, but I sometimes think that, how you know it's right. Like sometimes yeah. you do things. It's like you yeah, have push yourself a little bit. Um, and um, I'm really excited about that.
0: And um, where can people find you? It's like to see when that's coming out.
2: Yeah. Um, follow me on Instagram because I'll be back on it eventually when i re- <laughs> my really like, wait, you don't
0: have an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: It's, um, it's Katie Wee, K A T I E, W E E. And my website is katiewee.com.
0: Okay. Thank you for being so real, authentic, vulnerable. This was everything that I hoped that this episode would be. And it was so nice to finally meet you. (laughs) So
2: nice to finally meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. This is great.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas.